All right, but first, in his 1971 hit, the eight-minute epic American Pie, music legend Don McLean painted a dark picture. Famously, the song discusses the day the music died, the 1959 plane crash that killed early rock and roll innovators Buddy Holly, the Big Bopper, and Richie Valens. Outside of this central event, Don reflected on the profound cultural changes of the 1960s in the track, conveying his disillusion at the generation's loss of innocence. For over 50 years after the song's wide-reaching success, Grammy Award Award winner Don McLean continues to make an impact in the world of music. You can see Don perform live at the Arcata Theater on Labor Day weekend, Friday, September 1st. And to talk about his musical journey, the legendary Don McLean. Don, how are you? Well, I'm just fine. And nice to be on your very famous radio station. <laughs> very famous. You know, music has been such a big part of your existence since you were like five years old. Who are some of the performers that you were listening to? that encouraged you to do this for a living? Well, you know, when you don't know anything, um, <laughs> you you can think that you can do anything. Sure. So, you know, I would hear pop singers and rock and roll singers and um, uh, all kinds of different performers that I would like. Uh, but I think the thing that really uh, coalesced uh, and focused me was uh, seeing uh, Elvis Presley with a guitar and later on the folk acts, you know, like the Kingston Trio and Josh White and people like that with their guitars. Um, And, of course, Buddy Holly. Uh, So suddenly the guitar became the way to go. And uh, it certainly was. You know, in those days, it hadn't taken over everything. In the 50s, you know, it was still a rock and roll instrument. Now it is the instrument. You right. don't hear orchestras anymore, right. really, right. Uh, unless it's in movies or something. So, you know, that was the way to go. Yeah, folk has run through your bloodlines, I mean, since the very early days. I mean, that's, you know, when you were touring as a solo artist, I mean, that's that's the vibe that you had. Well, I wanted to be able to write songs that you could do without any orchestration that would hold up on their own if I just played you know, the arrangement that I had on the guitar and sang. That was the goal. And I think a lot of uh, folk artists did that in the beginning. And then they discovered the um, exhilaration and the seductivity of the recording studio, you know, and that you suddenly could use all these other colors. And uh, we didn't read music. So that's really something for people who are knowledgeable about how to read music, you know, like a Sinatra or a Tony Bennett or, a, uh, you know, a Billie Holiday or something that would work with orchestras. But we ended up, and Brian Wilson and all that, ended up going and uh, suddenly I would have a 40-piece 40, a 40 string section mm-hmm. on End I Love You So on my first record, you know, and uh, was, was hanging out with a guy who was writing the arrangement. And so, you know... <laughs> It, it, it moved me over into areas where there was a lot of room for me to grow, you know. So I grew away from the the coffee houses and the five-string banjo and the guitar. Well, I always kept it, but yeah. and then moved over into this whole other world, which was really like going to graduate school. Well, what you talk about, and I love you so, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but, you know, you had your own record, record deal in the late 60s. Uh, Tapestry came out that... And I Love You So is one of your most recorded songs, you know, with versions. I think about this. You just said one of your influences was watching Elvis Presley. How surreal was it for you that he recorded your song? You know, it still is. 
it still <clears throat> blows me away. I uh, I love. I don't know. I'm somehow somewhat fixated on Elvis in 1977. Mm-hmm. Um, the man who is not in in control and who is struggling and who's overweight and who's who's sloughing things off. To me, that's absolutely fascinating uh, that he can get out there and still the audience is just mad about him, even though I think they're all really concerned about him, you know, the way he looked and sounded and so on. But he, he sings the heck out of End I Love You. So every time he was on stage in 1977, and I've heard at least five or six versions because most of the, the board mixes are around that you can hear from many of the other shows that he did. And one of the things that I would always learn is I learned something about the song by hearing him sing it. Interesting. Because he's Elvis Presley, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not. <laughs> and so Elvis Presley does something with the music that I couldn't even conceive of. And the same thing with Como did something, and, and many of the others, Johnny Mathis and so on. So nope. you really get a lot of uh, uh, respect for these artists and their ability to, to shape a song. You know, what's funny is I know your version, of course, of the song. I I really only, I, I've not heard Elvis's version of the song until I, I was prepping for this conversation. But my mother, growing up, my mother loved Perry Como. And I cannot tell you yeah. how many times I heard his version of that song. Well, my mother loved Perry Como. My mother was Italian. And so that was her favorite uh, TV star was Perry and uh, he, as I told people before, he used to come to Villanova when I was there for a couple of months and pick up his son. So in 1964, I would see him in his Cadillac all by himself waiting to get his son. He was as cool as could be, just like on TV, you know. And uh, there's a word, I think it's called insuicent. It means you don't really pay any attention to anything. You're just in your own world, kind of. And that's how he looked, very insouicent. And uh, to think that 10 years later, he would do this song, and it would become the last number one, last million seller he would ever have. He actually sang it to his wife. Uh, He was married to her for like 50 years. You can't imagine the crazy, wonderful things that have happened to me in these 50 years. Yeah. This music that I wrote has brought home to me so many people that I loved and touched so many lives of other artists that I never thought would ever happen. I mean, I was just thinking of maybe making a living, you know, when I started out. You know, but every single one of your songs, <clears throat> excuse me, every single one of your songs means something, though. Like, you know, Tapestry, you know, the inspiration for the really the formation of the Greenpeace environmental movement. Um the album that needs no introduction, American Pie, like you you listen to the lyrics and not every song today, yesterday, you might listen to the music, you might listen to the beat, you might not exactly listen to and understand the lyrics. And I think with a song like American Pie and some of the others, and I love you so, you really had to stop and think and really take in because of the emotion that you put into all your recordings. Well, you have to make your performances and your work commanding. It has to command the audience. You're not just there as background noise. And because of video that's coming in the 80s, most music now is sort of background noise. But we wrote songs that were commanding, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter who the artist was, if it was a famous song. And, you know, you don't really see 
best of packages for things in the 2000s or the 18 or the 1990s no. even no. because those are throwaway songs most of them you don't want to hear them again it's the you know the 80s the 70s the 60s the 50s those songs never die those records never die it's very true it's very true and 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 talking about the meaning behind your songs you know american pie you know we know it was about the 1959 tragedy but you really kind of wrote the song for yourself kind of trying to understand the current state of things expressing your feelings about life itself in an era that was speaking on a generation riddled with loss destruction political upheaval you kind of wrote it for yourself but you you kind of wrote it for america well i have to say i write everything for myself i don't really write anything for an audience because if I did, I would have written 10 more songs like American Pie, <laughs> because that's obvious what they wanted from me. Yeah. But I only do one thing, and that's it. I go on. I, I don't write songs for the audience, and I don't write songs with the idea of this is a Don McLean song or this is what they expect from me. I only do what I, what I truly feel. And uh, one of the things that there, there are three kinds of music that I understand, and again, I don't write music and i don't read music but i understand old-fashioned popular music Mm -hmm. i understand rock and roll from the 50s and 60s and 40s i understand rockabilly that's those are all my areas and i understand folk music and one of the things about folk music that is different from those other two kinds of music is that there was always a a use for these songs there was a, uh, you know, a song, about, it would be a, a marriage song or a children's song or a play song or a war song or a, a union song. Or There was always a usefulness to this music. So I wanted my songs to always, at least some of them, have that element that this was a song that would be useful. So when George Michael sang The Grave, on TV, he was the only person who had the courage to buck the desire to go in and destroy Iraq uh, because of that stupid George Bush. Uh, and he, he stood up against that stupidity and that meanness and that ridiculous war that, that he brought on those people um, and sang that song. I was very proud of that. So you know that there's people that have been inspired by your work, and that's got to feel most gratifying in all of this. Well, I, you know, I never know. I mean, recently um, I uh, I found out that I had held some sort of a a record of 50 years of the longest song that was ever number one, and then Taylor Swift, bless her heart, <laughs> uh, yeah. got a, a longer song, and, and there was a big story about it. And she wrote me the sweetest note, you know, oh. about how oh. the songs that I've written had influenced her and all this stuff. So you, you just never know. You just never know. Yeah. And you know, you think about the longest song, as you just mentioned, eight minutes, 36 cents, uh, 38 minutes, 36 seconds, encompassing both sides of the single. When United Artists got a hold of the song, they cut it to three minutes because I guess that's what AM rock radio airplay. Let's get it to three minutes immediately went to number one. But then. FM played it, and they kind of shamed AM Rock to play the whole thing, didn't they? Well, you know, I was an I was an underground sensation with the Tapestry album. Mm-hmm. All the cool underground jocks loved that record, 
And when American Pie came out and they cut it to three minutes and it went to number one, all of a sudden I was the biggest sellout in America. (laughs) You know, now I was number one and they didn't want any part of me, but they still kept playing the American Pie album anyway. And it was those people, that that fan base really, that kind of went and uh, told the uh, radio stations, hey, that three-minute version is not the song. You know, you, you need to play the whole thing. So they, I guess they brought the album into the studio when they were playing the top 40 when it was number one, and they played it off the album. Love that. I love that. We're talking to music legend Don McLean is an American Pie. You can see Don perform live at the Arcada Theater on Labor Day weekend, Friday, September 1st. For tickets, you can go to arcadalive.com. And there's more with Don next on 720 WGN. Day Pliers, 720 WGN. We're talking to music legend Don McLean. You can see Don perform live at the Arcada Theater on Labor Day weekend. Friday, September 1st, and for tickets, you can go to arcadalive.com. You know, there's been a handful of covers of American Pie, um, Madonna and even Weird Al uh, being two of them. Yeah, Weird Al um, was at my star ceremony in Hollywood when I got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Can you believe that? I mean, that's another wow. weird thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there was Weird Al for that weird moment, and uh, I just was <laughs> loving it. He's such a great guy. I've known him for a long time. He's a really straight-up, just lovely man, you know, and he's uh, crazy as they come, mm-hmm. and he's a wonderful guy. And uh, I thought he did a great job on that because I also thought that the track was incredible. Yes. You know, it was even better than the record. No, no not really, but but it, but it was very well done. It was. <laughs> But again, that's got to make. But then again, that's got to make you pretty proud. Oh yes, um, and there's always these uh, parodies that happen every now and then. There's a new one about the Ukraine, and then there's one about you know artificial intelligence. And these people, they do all six verses, and they really do a good job. I don't know how they they're very creative in thinking this stuff up. But one of the things I would like to mention. <clears throat> is that uh, uh, on Amazon now you can get the children's book, American Pie, A Fable. You can get the documentary, right. uh, The Day the Music Died, the story of Don McLean's American Pie, now on a DVD. And you can also get uh, a Christmas album that we put out called Christmas Memories Remixed and Remastered. I love that. And there are going to be a whole bunch of other albums coming out from a record agreement that we've made. They're going to put out all the ones from the you know the past 30 years. That's very cool. I hope on vinyl, too. Yeah, that's right. They just finished uh, checking out the vinyl versions of the Christmas record. Love that. I love that. You know, Don, you know... Uh... You know, music is ever changing, and and I saw you in an interview talking about AI, artificial, you know, intelligence and and its effect on the music industry. And you said, and I believe it's true too. I don't think a computer could possibly make worse music than what I hear on the radio today. People need some artificial intelligence because they've lost their regular intelligence to be able to write songs, you know, and make music. But you're right. I, I think there's a laziness in it. It happens in Hollywood too. Ma- remaking films, just doing what was successful already. I yeah. I know how they could ever make the out of t- remake, the out of towners or the in-laws. I never could figure that one out because <laughs> you can't touch the original. No, you but can't. anyway, um, yeah, um, one great thing that's happened, though, 
is that a court has ruled that you can't protect uh, A1 songs with copyright protection. This is a new thing that's come out, and this is very important because if those things that they create uh, can't be protected by copyright protection, I, I, I learned that you have to have the human elements in order to get a copyright protection. Interesting. So since there is no human element, uh, it avoids the probability that this stuff is going to be around all that much because they can't make money from it. And secondly, it's going to avoid an enormous amount of litigation. Yeah, no question. I know. That's absolutely correct. Well, you can see Don perform live at the Arcata Theater on Labor Day weekend, Friday, September 1st. For tickets, go to arcatalive.com. And for more on Don and all these new albums being re-released and so forth, you can visit donmcclain.com. Don, it's so much fun talking to you, and I can't wait to see you in Chicago next week. Well, it's great talking to you, and thank you so much for the interview. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, news is next here on 720 WGN.